The Little Matter of Perception Last Wednesday was my 60th birthday and all my dear ones were here especially my kids and grandkids and it was such a joyful celebration but i can't help thinking how wrong it almost went it started over a year ago one ordinary wednesday my husband was at the office who is ringing the doorbell at this hour i grumbled as i located my errand slippers and shuffled off to the door it was the courier guy with a largeish box addressed to me i wasn't expecting anything but i signed his form and thanked him never knowing the storm he'd unleashed in my placid life i phoned my husband and asked him if he'd ordered something for me as a surprise but no he hadn't i said never mind we'd open it together in the evening i placed it on the dining table and gave it a few loving pats through the day evening came and i received my husband at the door with the usual peck on the cheek and standing where he was he could see the box so you didn't open it he said smiling roguishly and i pounced on him immediately you sent it you devil it's been tormenting me all day come on let's open it let's open it but no said he honestly he hadn't i opened it and we both peered in there were many smaller bundles inside i ripped into them and exclaimed loudly as i opened them they were special products for my curly hair a brand i'd contemplated trying out this was the whole caboodle shampoo conditioner serum mousse i was ecstatic i berated my husband happily you liar don't tell me it's not from you who else would know but his face was puzzled and my excitement dried up it's not from me love he said there must be a card i rummaged through every scrap inside and outside that box but there was no indication of the sender my husband teased me that i had a secret admirer and i flapped my hand dismissively at him but it was certainly a mystery i pushed the box away perhaps we'd get an answer in time but the next wednesday the doorbell rang again and my heart was in my mouth in an instant as i went hurtling to the front door it can't be i murmured to myself it can't be but of course it was another package though much smaller this time i asked belligerently who'd sent it but the courier guy didn't know i told him quite categorically that in that case i couldn't accept it he delivered it and madam should accept it he insisted or he'd be debited for non delivery and he really couldn't afford that so i accepted it with major misgivings i didn't inform my husband i just put it on the dining table and left it there like a pariah no loving pats en passant this time in the evening my husband took one look at my face and knew i was upset i wailed at him i refused to take it but the courier chap said they dock his pay so i had to 
My husband calmed me down and opened the package himself. It was evidently a book. But it's only when he pulled the last bit of wrapping off and held it out to me that I gasped. It was an Alice in Wonderland. The thing is, I collect print editions of Alice and I didn't have this particular one. Who'd know my collection well enough to know that? I refused to even touch it. I just put my hands behind my back and walked away. I wasn't going to have anything to do with it. I heard him toss it into last week's box. How could this be happening to me? The hair products could have been a random guess. I have curly hair, so curly hair products. But this particular Alice book, this was no lucky guess. I felt totally creeped out. We brainstormed over dinner. I told him about my earlier thoughts. That the choice of this particular Alice brought the list of suspects down to exactly one. Myself. And I swore I wasn't sending myself gifts. He laughed outright and said I shouldn't let my crazy imagination run away with me. But that it was nonetheless infuriating, not least because it was upsetting me so much and he'd poke around a bit and see what he could find out. He tried, but the courier company wouldn't tell him squat. After much doing and froing, he enjoined them strictly not to deliver any more packages here on Wednesdays as we wouldn't accept them. And they assured him they wouldn't. And promptly brought one around the next Wednesday. A large Le Creuset casserole dish with a matched lid. Those things cost the earth, I knew. And I'd always thought they couldn't possibly be worth it. Though they were beautiful in their jewel colours. This one was blue to match my blue and white kitchen which made me very angry. Who was this wretched person who knew so exactly what would delight me? The casserole joined the other stuff in the box. The next week, it was a sari in shades of my favourite colour, yellow. The next week, it wasn't a parcel, just a small envelope, so it caught me off guard. But it was a year's subscription to a magazine I'd borrowed from the library a few times and thoroughly enjoyed. The Smithsonian. These gifts were so on point, it was uncanny. But they didn't delight. Wednesdays now spread their filthy fungus of fear right through the whole week. My birthday was approaching, my 59th, and I'd never felt less like celebrating. Somehow we'd kept everything from the kids, our son and daughter, both away from home. I'd felt too embarrassed to admit that I was getting gifts from some nameless stranger. The horrid things had been piling up in and around that stupid box and I was trying to pretend they didn't exist. But every Wednesday, their pestilence spilled afresh. Though we had a regular practice of video chatting with the kids and their families, I'd really striven to keep this troublesome tale from them. But perhaps our daughter suspected something wasn't okay because she kept asking, What's new? What's new? Come to think of it, even our son had started asking that. And every Wednesday, there was a new parcel to contend with, on which I said not a word. 
On the Wednesday before my 59th birthday, there was a particularly large box marked Fragile. I was seriously inclined to toss it over the balcony and be done with it. My husband opened it and I came to see what it was. Always something so appropriate that it wrenched my insides. This one was particularly convoluted. Box within box and thermocol layers to act as buffers. And finally, out comes the most exquisite stained glass Tiffany-type lampshade. I just sat down with my head in my hands and wept. I'd always wanted one. And now it had come in this horrid, tainted way and I knew the whole thing was poisoned forever. We were at our wit's end. The phone rang. It was our daughter. She read my face and was instantly alarmed. What's happened, Mama? Why are you upset? What's bothering you? Papa, what's the problem? Tell me, Papa. I should tell you, darling, not Papa. Just give me a moment, I said, struggling to control my emotions. I really wanted to share this horrible chapter of events now. Probably she or our son could help us find a solution. We were completely out of our league. It started some weeks ago, darling. I've been getting some strange and unsettling gifts. We don't know whom they are from, but it's been very upsetting. She was confused. You've been getting gifts and that's upsetting you, Mama. Why should that be? Is something wrong with them? No, no, darling. That's the whole problem. They're all lovely gifts. But why should anyone send me gifts every week? Anonymously at that. And they reveal too close a knowledge of my likes. It's creepy. Like being stalked. You won't believe it. There's an Alice book, a yellow sari, and now even a stained glass lamp. I'm absolutely shattered. Our daughter looked as horrified as we felt. She took a deep breath and said very slowly and carefully, Mama, just think, this person or people know you very well. They know you collect Alice books. They know yellow is your favorite color. They know you've always lusted for a Tiffany lamp and you would never buy yourself that blue Le Creuset casserole to keep out in your handsome blue and white kitchen because it's so stupidly expensive. They know you'll read every word of your Smithsonian's with fascination. Now who would know so much about you and want to send you a gift every Wednesday till a certain Wednesday, 60 weeks ahead when you become exactly 60 years old? Who would know you well enough to be able to organize that but also be stupid enough to keep it anonymous and not realize that you'd imagine the worst possible scenario and work yourself up into a tizzy? Any guesses who the idiot gifters are who are trying to make up for many years of no gifts to you, Mama? So, of course, I finally guessed who they were from and I was simply beside myself with joy and relief. I wept and laughed and blew her kisses and apologized repeatedly and thanked God I hadn't tossed today's box over the balcony as I'd wanted to. She was loudly aghast at that. My husband lugged out all the gifts and I rooted through them again, this time with a heart overflowing with delight. 
How could it be that we were blessed with such wonderful kids and both of us parents such bloody fools? We'd never even thought it would be them. They'd never done anything like that before. Such extravagance. Sixty weeks of splendid gifts like this. It simply couldn't be conceived. My daughter rang off to inform her brother and in a few minutes he called, looking really stern. Mama, where did your overactive imagination lead you? And I'm surprised at Papa. We've been wondering why you haven't said anything and checking with the courier company and tracking the deliveries online and still all quiet on the Western Front. We were wondering what was going on. But we could never have dreamed up anything like this. Who else in the whole world knows you so well? Even Papa couldn't come up with one-tenth of these ideas. There's been a lot of deep planning. I apologize profusely. And while he lectured me, I was hugging my lovely new Alice book. So he finally ran out of steam and just shook his head hopelessly at me. Do you think you can enjoy the rest of your gifts now? Otherwise, we are cancelling the plan and saving ourselves a bunch of money. I insisted there was absolutely no reason to be saving their money and I promised to enjoy my gifts and my husband and I looked properly chastened. So for the whole year, it's been an extravagance of earthly delights. How much difference the little matter of perception makes. I've just crossed my 60th birthday, but I do declare I'm already looking forward to my 70th. No hero. I paced in my mind. I was out on the pavement leaning against the lamppost, my hand in the pocket of my jeans, fingering the crispness of the bit of paper I'd hastily stuffed in there. But my mind paced over and over the same questions. Should I hand it over or not? It may not come to anything, but on the other hand, it might. Did I want to go there? Did I want to open that door? It could bring healing for everybody, certainly for me. Or it could bring chaos and release old demons that had been painfully packed away. And so I leaned and paced. Finally, I walked myself across the street and into the bar thinking I'd decide inside. But the bell jangled as I pushed open the door and the barman looked up and immediately set up a cheer. Our hero! Welcome! Welcome! Drinks on the house for our hero! People stood up at their tables and applauded and some shook my hand earnestly and thanked me 
and I almost turned and fled. I'd intended a nondescript in and out, not such a furore. But the young barman was waving his red checked napkin at me, and I sidled up, feeling I was flying under false colours. He presented me with a virgin mojito before I could even say, and I took a strong swallow and boldly pulled out the folded paper and pushed it across before I changed my mind again, saying, In case he ever comes asking, that's my number. I knew this neighborhood and this bar well, too well perhaps, but I'd not been here in 20 years or more, and much had changed. Certainly all the people had changed, and I'd changed too. There's no way to put too fine a point on this, so I'll say it plainly. I'm a drunk, an alcoholic, ever only one drink away from falling into that abyss again. And what an abyss it had been! It cost me my life, my wife and my two beautiful children. After I'd driven her to hell and back times without number, my sweet Lindy finally one day lost all hope and more to protect my babies from the monster I'd become than anything else, threw me out. The loss of those three was more than I could bear and that's the day I hit rock bottom. But my resolve wasn't as strong as I'd have wished and it took me many trips in and out of rehab and many trips down to the depths of despair until I finally achieved the required stiffness of purpose to say no and to keep saying no. It wasn't a journey I'd wish on anyone. But one thing I've decided and nothing shall shift me from it, it's a one-way journey. No going back. I will not touch the stuff again, no matter how insistently it calls. And that I never be caught unprepared, I regularly visit bars, sip my virgin mojito and test my resolve. The parting from Lindy had been bitter beyond words to express. The kids stood silent in their pyjamas with their faces locked. Reggie's arm protectively around his baby sister. Many terrible things were said and I'd never gone back, though I sent letters of sincere apology as part of the rehab process. I received no response and I decided to leave things there. It was wrong for me to pick at the scabs they'd so carefully developed. And what if they chose to reject me and they'd have been well within their rights? I couldn't bear that either. So I stayed away. It's easy to be lost in a big city if you want to be. We'd lived just a few doors away from here and this bar had been part of my old stamping grounds. And I'd never have come here at all had I not known that they'd moved away a few years ago. So two weeks ago, I dropped in, collected my drink and sat at a table against the wall. The barman immediately recognized me as a recovered drunk. I don't know what message I beam out. They always know. Some decide they shouldn't waste their time on me as I'm unlikely to bring them much profit. And some ply me with every extra freebie they can. This barman was the second kind. On the strength of that one virgin mojito, I got two overflowing bowls of bar snacks. I drank my drink, inhaled the familiar seductive vapours of the bar, Past the test I set myself 
and was close to leaving when a rambunctious bunch of young men streamed in. They were loud and laughing and backslapping. I watched them appreciatively. Young men should be like that, full of the enjoyment of life. One of the boys was tall, much taller than me, but it struck me oddly that he reminded me of my own younger self. I cannot think why I suddenly remembered Reggie standing at McDonald's thinking about what to order with his left arm placed with his wrist upside down on his head as he studied the menu on the wall. And as I watched this tall youngster at the bar, he lifted his left arm and did exactly that. And my own hand froze on my almost empty glass. I couldn't yet see his face, but when I did, whatever smidgen of doubt I was forcing myself to have was gone. Many is the time I've watched Lindy slick back that errant lock of hair, and as soon as it was dry, it would flop down again, as it did now, hanging on his brow. The craving for drink almost staggered me in my chair. I didn't have the spine to face this situation without stiffening. I felt the red-hot fire of desperate longing surge through my body like a living thing. It was hotter than I could ever imagine it, and I almost screamed from the agony of longing. I forced it down with the iron discipline I'd developed for just such an occasion, but I was this close to losing the battle with myself. I'd walked into that bar to test my resolve, as I said, and to dip a toe into the past. Not to confront the son I'd abandoned as a child because I was a raving, uncontrollable, irresponsible drunk. How upright he'd grown up to be. Tall, broad-shouldered, evidently popular, had so many friends. Not something I could say for myself. Achingly handsome. I'd drag my eyes away and they'd creep back to him. He'd been just a little tyke when I left. And he probably didn't remember me. In fact, I prayed he didn't. I didn't want the father I'd been to be remembered. My eyes yo-yoed back and forth off him. The old ice in my glass melted and I took another futile sip. I dared not approach the bar for a refill. But there was no way I was leaving either, I admitted to myself. The boys were all in a clump across the room. They rose and sat and moved about. They chatted and jostled and laughed. And I watched and looked away and watched and looked away. Suddenly, the tone changed. There was evident worry and concern. And they were all looking at Reggie, who was sitting with his back to me. It was all I could do to remain seated as I was. Reggie got to his feet and pushed back his chair. And all his friends were up with him. He lurched. And as I watched... Collapsed. There were loud cries and cell phones were whipped out to call an ambulance. I leapt across the tables and chairs and was standing over him in an instant. His face was mottled with pain and I asked what happened as I checked his pulse. Too low and erratic. Breaths too shallow. Someone said over my head that he clutched his chest and upper arm and was in obvious pain before he keeled over. Lindy's father had died young of a cardiac arrest is all I could think of. My own heart was pounding at over 200 beats a minute at that moment too. But training kicked in and even as I asked, I had him on his back 
Airway checked and was administering CPR. The friends had called for an ambulance and it was on its way. They could see I knew what I was doing and offered help, but I was never going to surrender my baby boy to an untrained lout. The panic rose in my own chest like a bubbling volcano. This was a small chance to redeem myself in my own eyes and I was taking it. I pressed down on his chest rapidly and rhythmically. I'd done a course in rehab and I'd done it a few times since then saving lives. I think destiny was preparing me for this awful day. All the events of my life seemed to have inevitably brought me here to be available at the right time with the right skills to save my wronged child. The ambulance arrived and the professionals took over. In seconds he was stretched and strapped and ready to be carried out. And I prayed that he be safe. I lingered over him one last long moment as I commanded myself to walk away. With youth and vigor on his side, he'd pull through this. His eyes flickered open and looked straight into mine, peering anxiously into his face. His eyes grew wide with wonder and then shadowed with puzzlement. He breathed raggedly and just before his eyelids weakly trembled shut again, he whispered, Dad? <laughs>